Did you know some losers still use Facebook poking? Answer me this, answer me this. With young adult, has Jason Reitman topped? Thank you for smoking. Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. I'm sorry to start the episode on a sad note, but a lesson we must all learn in this life is that all good things come to an end, as illustrated by this email from Chrissy, who says, I recently broke up with my podcast partner. We had a good run, but it was time to let it go. It's probably best to realise that than let it drag on into a podcasty swamp of rubbish, as we'll probably do. Yeah, that's right. Of course, says Chrissy, I still want to podcast. But I have absolutely no idea how to find a new partner. So, Ollie, answer me this. Any thoughts? Um, find someone who owns some good microphones and do it with their wife. That's my tip. <laughs> <laughs> or just do it by yourself. And then you don't have to split the incredibly lucrative earnings of this pro-am industry with anyone else. Is that like when somebody sacks their whole band but keeps the name for themselves? Uh, well, that's what Simply Red did, isn't it? Maybe she should advertise. Like when people used to put notices up in uh, guitar shops to get a drummer for their band. Yeah, yeah. podcast p- partner wanted must be into Huskadoo and Peter, Paul and Mary. Is there a classifieds bit on iTunes? I suppose Ping was, is kind of like that, isn't it? What's Ping? Uh, that was a joke, of course. Right, I know yes. what Ping is, but like everybody, I don't use it. That thing where you say, I like Michael Bublé. I'd like to meet other people that like Michael Bublé. <laughs> oh, hold on. No, I don't. Uh, here's a question from uh, Mariana, who says, uh, Helen, answer me this. Why are British men so cold? Well, it's winter at the moment. That's right. Their body temperature is determined entirely by seasonal variations, yep. Mariana. Yeah, come back in August, then you'll see us hard, British hard, men hard. smoking hot. <laughs> um, she says, I'm Mexican oh. uh, and have been in a relationship with my British boyfriend for over a year uh, and we're both very happy together but why are Brits so cold? Doesn't sound like you're very happy. <laughs> uh, and please don't answer by saying something about the Latin spirit and us being from different backgrounds. Well, I, I have to answer that because that is the case. I know it's sort of national stereotyping but those things are grounded in fact. The Brits are traditionally known as a reserved race yeah. who don't splash their feelings around and people from places like Mexico are often a bit more fiery. Well, and also, to be fair, Mariana, in this very brief email you've sent us, that's all you've given us to work with. We don't know what you're like, what you do, how old you are. If we ignore your nationality and his nationality in answering the question, why are British men so cold? There's nothing for us to go on apart from you have different genitals to each other. Yeah. We don't know anything mm. about you. Why does he love ferrets so much when I love <laughs> Nepales? It's, I think, an emotional uptightness that comes about out of consideration for other people's feelings. Very nice. The British embarrassment is basically, you know, I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want to cause a scene. I want to ironise my feelings lest they cause genuine harm if I said what I thought and she doesn't agree. It's quite a considerate way to be. It's just it comes across to someone from a completely different culture as being cold. Obviously, all of what you just said is the exact reverse of what happens in uh, that bastion of British culture, the Jeremy Kyle show. (laughs) Emotions splashed everywhere, zero irony. Yeah. I think the Brits are a much warmer race than they were because fewer people are sent to boarding school at the age of four than they were a few generations ago. Yeah, although... Our national backbone is Crumbling. Hi, this is Max from Barry St. Edmunds. Helen Ollie, answer me this. Does marijuana, if ingested, count as one of your five a day? Mm, well, if it does, then presumably it's going to be in the form of a brownie or cake, which is uh, not a health food. Exactly, because that would be like saying that carrot cake counts towards your five a day. Oh, you've or... shattered a lot of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> or strawberry ice cream or something. You could ingest it uh, in a soup or tea. A- yes. A soup. If do, you... they, do people actually make 
weed soup. Yeah, broth. They call it broth because they're those kinds of people that don't wash their clothes. Speaking hypothetically, but I would imagine the amount of uh, marijuana weed you'd have to ingest for it to give you a significant dietary or vitamin infusion would be a lot and make you really ill. Well, the uh, the seeds are where the real nutrition is. Of course, yeah, because I'll happily put hemp seed in a homemade loaf of bread. That's right. And that's where you're getting your protein, your omega-3s. You're not getting your highs, though, are you? <laughs> you're not. No. Although, I mean, I'm very happy getting high on some bread. That's about the level I've, I want to be stimulated at. <laughs> it does have a very tiny amount of lots of vitamins. I also imagine that if you got the marijuana in the usual preparation of it being dried or somehow processed or resonated it's going to have lost a lot of its vitamin content anyway. Well, I think the thing is, it's just quite awkward to approach your dealer uh, on the bridge at Camden. Can I have some of the locale stuff, please? Yeah. <laughs> can you include the stalks? I mean, you just can't, can you? Here's a question from Laura from Sheffield, who says, Ollie, answer me this. How many statements from the lyrics of Savage Garden's song, Affirmation, <laughs> do you agree with? Uh, I've counted up. There are 20 statements, not counting repetition in the choruses, etc. Okay, so if, if you've never heard the song, it's a series of statements. Helen said earlier it's the kind of uncool version of uh, everybody's free-to-wear sunscreen, in that it's kind of one man's rules for life. He, I believe this, I believe that. It's a bit like If by Rudyard Kipling. Yeah, he's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Um, So, okay, so I've gone through all the statements, and I agree with six of them. Really, I agree with four. Okay, what are your four? Let's see if we've got any overlap. Okay, well, the ones I've gone for are... Um, I believe you can't appreciate real love till you've been burned. Okay, you haven't because, agreed with that one. Well, because generally you appreciate things once you've uh, lacked that thing before. Yeah. Say your favourite teddy bear, Grey Puppet Ollie, was taken away. You like Grey yeah, Puppet... Don't you dare look me in the eye and say that, Helen. <laughs> when Grey Puppet was returned to you, you'd love Grey Puppet all the more because you'd seen the world without Grey Puppet yes. and it was awful. Yes. Well, that's not the one I most agree with. The one that I most agree with. Uh, I believe that God does not endorse TV evangelists. Yes, that was one of the ones I agree that's with. That's the only one that I can absolutely agree with. Yeah, but that assumes you believe God, I thought you were an atheist. Well, this is the thing. I mean, actually, I was just saying, that's one of the ones that I agree with as well. Although, ironically, it's probably the only one in the list that you can't prove or disprove. We'll never know. He says, I believe you can't control or choose your sexuality. Yeah, that's one of the ones and I agree it, with And too. again, with caveats, yeah. you can control certain things. Like, I'd imagine a lot of people that might otherwise go for maybe children yeah. think, well, I'm not going to do that because it's wrong in you, every you way. You can curb yeah. your sexuality by, for yeah. example, castrating yourself. But I think yeah. that's not what he's referring to. Is he? He's very precise. He's basically saying he can't choose to be gay or straight. And well, I think that's, that's, that's pretty much yeah. reasonable. He used to have a wife and now he has a husband. He right. could have just said don't fuck kids on the end of that line. Like, as a sort of, uh, could uh, have. I think that's a, that's a more awkward bridge into the chorus. The one that says, I believe your parents did the best job they knew how to do. That's incredibly presumptuous. I've got friends who've got terrible parents and I know that they didn't do the best job because they did better jobs than others of their siblings. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is, there's a lot of very subjective things. Yeah. I mean, I believe your most attractive features are your heart and soul. It really depends on that? the person. Yeah, exactly. You know, some some people it's definitely the eyes. Well, some people have horrible personalities, but yeah. quite fit faces quite fit, and bodies. Exactly. The one where he says, "I believe in love surviving death into eternity." Yeah, not love, convinced by that. Love often doesn't survive until next week. He's going to have right. to show his working. Yeah, that's an ideal as well, isn't it? It's nice to believe it, but yeah, you can't prove it, Darren. Out of the ones that I do agree with, though, that you didn't say. Uh, I believe the struggle for financial freedom is unfair. I didn't even really understand what he meant. Well, he's saying that, you know, whatever... I can't believe we're analysing this so seriously. That's tautological, isn't it? He means you're not responsible for where you're born in the world, but you're going to have a greater or lesser chance of becoming a millionaire. That's what he means, and he's right. I can't trust a man who messes up a comparative and uses the phrase more greener. I also quite like the phrase, I believe that family is worth more than money or gold. Depends on your family. Again, I know a lot of people who've got horrible families. In economic terms it's not necessarily true unless you're Philip Green's daughter if you got a question 
Email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. 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 That was a cover of uh, one of our traditional email jingles by young Rowan from Bedfordshire. Thank you very much for that, Rowan. Very, mm. Pretty much a straight cover, wasn't it? Yeah. There's no, no novelty there, just did it out the tin. That's not a criticism, Rowan. No, it's not. I'm just, it was a straightforward answer me this karaoke is what that was. Ollie's just saying maybe next time you'd like to investigate some synths. <laughs> yeah. Time for a question from Phil who says, As a gay teenage guy, I am almost constantly horny. I bet. And uh, whilst I'd quite like a relationship... I'm happy to just have the odd fuck here and there as well. I recently started talking to a guy called Charlie, who I met over Twitter. Weird. He's very hot. That's not weird. Mm. He's very hot, intelligent and lovely, but also a bit of a slut. I wouldn't be surprised if he had three other guys on the go at the moment. How many followers has he got on Twitter? (laughs) Divide that by two. Uh, We text each other on average about a hundred times a day. What? That's expensive. Teenagers. I'm married to Martin. I don't have a hundred words to say a day. (laughs) And I don't even have a hundred characters to say to my girlfriend sometimes. Uh, And Skype pretty much every evening. And we're arranging to meet up soon as he only lives about an hour away. Very well. Uh, He seems to quite like me. Yes, a hundred texts a day may be the cue for that um but he's never really hinted that he'd wanted to be together in any long-term context well he hasn't met you so give him a break Mm. Uh, i'm not sure how involved i should get as i think he might just be out for some fun and and you want fun you just said yes exactly you said odd fuck would be fine and not a relationship so helen answer me this what are your top tips this should be good. <laughs> what are your top tips for telling if a guy wants a relationship other than just asking? And what are your top tips for separating sex from emotion? Uh, for the second one, choose somebody that you don't really have much in common with and there isn't the danger that you might start doing nasty things like sleeping over and going out for brunch the next day and then going to look at antique shops or some shit like that. Well, that's all very well in the abstract, isn't it? But that's not the nature of this situation. The nature of this situation is he's texting the bloke a hundred times a day. Yeah, he's already weird. in. No, you've got to cut this out because you're getting too attached and you've already intimated that this guy might be a bit unreliable. Mm. Certainly if he's into having sex with you and that's what you want as well... I don't see why you'd deprive yourself from that. But just make sure that you're not reading too much into the situation. They're not internet dating in their 30s, are they? No. They're teenage guys that are basically hooking up to have sex. I know that it's very nice that they've had this extended foreplay, but, but essentially that's what's going to happen. with a relationship? Why, why, but why ask the relationship question at all? Yes. Can't you just yeah, see, how, right. it right. you see, see how, how it goes? Yes, see how it goes. But then I suppose they can't see how it goes because to him it's quite long distance. Mm. And, you know, that, that means you have to make choices to see each other. It's not like, oh, I'll pop round. But why don't you meet up with him and before even uh, leaping into sexual congress with him, just seeing if, if you have anything anything to say to each other face to face. Or um, if you get on, you might meet and just really not, not feel it at all. That would be really awkward, wouldn't it? If yeah. after all this time of flirting online, they meet and actually there's no spark there at all. But are you sure they've just been flirting online? You think they might have been doing web sex? Yeah, yeah. Well, you would, wouldn't you? It's 21st century. Yeah. But even that is different, isn't it, to... Uh, yeah, but there must, be, speaking to someone. there must be some attraction there, even if it's through a sort of slightly Vaseline-smeared lens. Well, as you said, <laughs> t- teenage boy, very horny. Yeah. So 
doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. The other person's I think it's a win-win situation. Probably be thinking about your mother and it would still happen, wouldn't it? I think, Phil, you're just complicating this too much. Just try and enjoy yourself yeah, exactly. and stop thinking about it so deeply, all right? See yeah. what happens. See what happens. And, and don't text as much. Leave some mystery <laughs> in it. If you've already said everything to each other in 14,000 characters a day, then what are you going to talk about when you meet? Yeah, that's right. If somebody gave you 79 pence, what would you spend it on? Buy a foreign stamp. Give it to a tramp. Get a second-hand tape of Tron. Or why not buy a classic episode? Answer me this one to 80. That's even better value than a Greg sausage roll. Albeit not as tasty. Go to answermethispodcast.com slash classic to get them now. And your paper payment will support our show until we get a bigger cash cow. Bigger cash cow, bigger cash cow, moo, 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 moo. Sponsors, please. Here's a question from Catherine from Newcastle who says, I've just finished my lunch and I'm now eating a delightful pink lady apple. So some might argue you're in fact not yet finished on your lunch. Good point. Thanks. She's just finished her her savoury course. She's finished her mains, possibly. I'd say the dessert, that's part of the lunch. Ollie, answer me this. Why do they still make the other types of apple, <laughs> i.e. Cox, Braeburn, Royal Gala? Surely the invention slash cultivation of the Pink Lady was a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> I like that phrase being used in anything other than technology. Makes you realise how stupid a phrase it is anyway. <laughs> I realise other apples are cheaper, but how can anyone go back once they've tasted a Pink Lady? I don't think I could even finish a jazz apple anymore. <laughs> if you've never tried a pink lady, then don't, because you'll end up like me spending six pounds a week on apples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had them. I don't think they stood out in my mind as being better than a Braeburn or a jazz apple. Well, it, look, it, the pink lady is a delightful combination of sweetness and crispness. That is true. Well, it's also a delightful combination of the Golden Delicious and Lady Williams apples. Golden Delicious is one of my least favourite apples. Nonetheless, it's not just farmers and supermarkets that decide to grow apples. Apples grow, don't they? It's not as if, at the moment the Pink Lady was invented in the 70s, all of the apple trees around England just suddenly stopped bearing fruit, saying, oh, I'm going to give up now. What's the point? Yeah. The Australian has won. (laughs) They're only going to use me as a backdrop to Jane Austen novellas being filmed for telly. Well, you say that, Ollie, uh, the importation of apples like the Braeburn has really uh, flushed out good British apples from the market, because I think there were 400 British apple breeds, and now you might see a cox. (laughs) You said you might see a cox. Anyway, I think Catherine's point is a very dangerous one to make because what she's effectively suggesting is that all the other apples should be uh, exterminated and there should be one apple super race. Apple eugenics. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want us to live in a world where that can happen. First they came for the Golden Delicious and I did not speak out before I was not a Golden Delicious. Uh, We're all different apples, Catherine. (laughs) Hello, Helen Nolly. It's James from Salisbury. Outside my house moment, there's a cat like up a tree. So answer me this. Is it still, or is it possible for me to call the fire brigade to get the cat out of the tree? I mean, I've seen them do it on movies and in TV shows and such, but can you actually do that? Or are they just out saving babies from burning buildings and whatnot? Yes, you can totally do that. Uh, Really? What, even after all the public service cuts? Even though it seems like not an emergency, it is an ongoing, developing situation that could become an emergency, i.e. people using a ladder 
and falling off and hurting themselves. Oh, so you call the fire brigade to prevent the possibility of a person trying to do the fire brigade's job and injuring themselves. Yes. Not because the fire brigade's time is best used to get to a cat cats. up a tree. Yes. How do you even know that a cat is stuck up a tree and not just up a tree? Well, not just pissing around, yeah. just Because, I mean, it's mewing, isn't it? It's only got the one language. It could just be saying, look, I'm in a tree. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I can see your bald patch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but the, I, the BBC did a freedom of information request on this. Uh-huh. They asked the fire services how much they spent every year getting animals out of trees three and a half million pounds in the last three years were spent by the fire services that replied that sounds like a lot but probably in their overall budget it isn't it's seventeen thousand animals so actually yeah in a, oh, in a population a lot, of millions yeah. it's you know it's about right but unless the point, it's just the same cat that keeps going up well no, it's not just cats there's like cows and horses and oh, stuff wow it's, in fact there was one example where an old woman had called 999 getting upset because a snail uh, had uh, been stuck halfway up a wall <laughs> but oh the, god i've never seen a cat stuck up a tree to my knowledge i've never seen a cow or a horse stuck up a tree that must take some down we do live in london <laughs> you don't see many cows and horses full stop but or trees Here's a question now from Christian from Warnambool in Australia, uh, who was born in Newcastle-under-Lyme in Stoke. Gone a long way. One of the potteries. They say, the bowler hat. When I was little, I remember professional people, bankers, solicitors, etc., wearing them around. It seems to me that it is or was the quintessential British headwear. Christian, importantly, doesn't say how old he is, does he? No, because if he was from a different generation, he'd say the YSL cap was the quintessential British headwear. Uh, do people still wear them around today? Rarely, I'd say. Shoreditch people. Yeah. Uh, or are they now a thing of the past? Mm, no, apparently they're coming back in. Uh, Helen answered me this. Did the bowler hat originate as being a cricket hat? No. And if so, well, it, it didn't. She just said it didn't. If so, was there a fast or spin bowler hat equivalent? Oh, that's why he's asking, because it's a bowler. Pun. Yeah. No, it's because uh, it was invented by uh, Thomas and William Bowlers. Okay. It's the hat maker's name. Named after the hat maker. Yeah. So apparently they invented uh, this particular hat style so that gamekeepers um, could protect their heads from low-hanging branches and the hat would still stay on. It wouldn't get knocked off if you uh, got smacked in the head. It is very strongly um, stuck on the forehead, isn't it? And it's a good structural hat, you know, a round hat. It's not going to get dented, I guess. Like, one of the reasons, apparently for them having been very common, you know, the archetypal British hat of the first half of the 20th century, let's say, is that they kept the rain off, people walking to work, and then cars became a lot more common around the middle of the century, and so they didn't need them so much anymore. And then the 60s happened, and... uh People had the long hair, yeah. and they didn't want to get that hat hair. That doesn't look good with a bowler hat. And again, it's similar to what we were saying last week about the Teddy Boys. You know, the war came and it kind of smashed up a lot of uh, previous social yeah. stratification. Same with the bowler hat. So it had been this symbol of a professional class. Then yeah. after the war, when a lot of people had had to give up wearing hats anyway because clothes rationing, bombs. They didn't have heads, a lot of them. Exactly. It wasn't expedient. The social structures had changed, and so had the uh, millinery structures. Well, and now in our generation all change isn't it I mean look at Mark Zuckerberg no hats there he definitely doesn't wear a bowler hat he might wear a baseball cap but he's doing very well for himself I hear yeah despite his sloppy attire <laughs> here's a fact about the bowler hat which we consider to be such an English symbol go on bowl me over it was the most popular hat in 19th century America and it was known as the hat that won the west ah. it was more worn there than the cowboy hat shit mm. imagine if Imagine if gone. they had that in Westerns, how exactly. awesome that would be. Imagine if they'd gone the other way and broke back mountain, they were both wearing bowler hats. You do, I think, see that sometimes in, in more recently like, made there Westerns. There will be blood. I might be there will be blood, but also I think cowboys were sailors, which was quite historically accurate. All the aliens wore bowler hats. <laughs> <laughs> and all the Native Americans wore trilbies, and that's how you could tell they're on different teams. Ends them in this. 
Hampton Court was Henry VIII's home. The O2 Arena was the Millennium Dome. Wasn't it? I went to see you in your room, but it had been turned into a weather spoon. So I ordered a two-for-one curry and a macaroon, but they don't sell macaroons. Do they? I just ate both curries, and now I regret that. Right, you are warmly invited to this question from Nick from Colchester about weddings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, My girlfriend and I have recently been invited to the wedding of one of our old friends, which will be in a few months' time. This would be fine. <laughs> Great. Yeah, this sounds brilliant. Joy abounded. Uh, were it not for the fact that her fiancé is one of the worst human beings I've ever met. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Uh, and I've no idea what she could possibly see in him. Robert Mugabe's very rich, I'll have you know, Nick from Colchester. <laughs> Apparently excellent in bed. <laughs> uh, he has been sexually inappropriate with more than one of our friends. Mm-hmm. Oh. Is constantly telling hideous puns. I don't know if he's ordering these in a list of importance. Uh, has the most irritating laugh known to humankind. Oh, no, that's not his fault. I'm glad I've been relegated to second place. Uh, and is generally weird in a way that is creepy rather than endearing or interesting. To you, but maybe not to your friend. That's right, weirdness is subjective, isn't it? Uh, not to mention that he also bears the slumped appearance one might associate with a sack of onions. Oh, you can't marry that man. His posture is ridiculous. <laughs> and my friend could do much better... In the looker stakes. Maybe she doesn't want to. Maybe she thinks he is the pinnacle of physical excellence. I tell you what, Helen, it sounds like Nick from Colchester has made up his mind about this man. <laughs> it's true. Nothing I can say can make a difference. <laughs> I don't think so. I think there's this is a pretty categoric list. This, however, this list of terrible qualities I've just outlined, does not deter him from making needling references to her weight. Oh, there's more. Uh, and wanting to look good for the wedding every time she so much as looks at a chocolate biscuit. Okay, so to play devil's advocate, maybe she's been going on about wanting to lose weight for the wedding and he thinks he's helping her. Yeah, absolutely. He's spurring her on. I, I think that probably is where it goes. I don't think any man is that fussed about exactly how his wife-to-be is going to look on the wedding day. That is a woman thing. As long as she's happy because he doesn't want exactly. her moaning forever. She's been moaning and he's trying to help her. Yeah, yeah I, but I, he just might not be that tactful. Exactly. He's but not, not very good at it, is he? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, the man is so objectionable, Nick continues, that my girlfriend refuses to even let him into her house. Well... Maybe your girlfriend's rude. Yeah. <laughs> so, Helen, answer me this. Would it be disingenuous to attend the wedding and celebrate their union? Yeah, I think celebrating would be disingenuous, Nick, but that doesn't go hand in hand with attending. Just pushing it a bit. Um, if all I really want to do is tackle my friend to the ground and not let her up until she makes better romantic decisions. Okay, that's not for you to decide, Nick, is it? I do sympathise, and I have had friends who've sort of been in this situation, but I think... This situation, not- the situation where you judge their fiance Both. to be a dick. Both ways. A lot of people told me Martin was a dick. What? It's a- <laughs> what? No, but it's the thing is, if you see somebody in a relationship or getting married to someone that you don't approve of, you've got to think, well, firstly, I might not see what their partner sees in them. Yep. Secondly, it's not my business. That person's an adult and they've made this decision fully compost mentis, you know, with the full power of attorney, and therefore. I have to live with it. And if they break up, I'm not going to go, well, I'm told you so, he was a real knob. You know, people make decisions, not all of them work out well, not all of them are agreeable to their friends, but you have to abide by the fact that they are permitted to do that. I in agree the with you society. almost entirely. I agree with you like 85%. What's the 15%? Uh, it, it's just the fact that, that this issue's come up in, in all the things that he pointed out that were unflattering things about him. The sexually inappropriate. The sexual inappropriate. The rest of them yeah. are pretty That's much irrelevancies, aren't they? If 
your friend knows about that yeah. and is going ahead with it, then I'm back with Helen 100%. But if she doesn't and you haven't yeah. told her and you all know that he's been sexually inappropriate with your friends, then there is the issue about whether yeah. maybe you should tell her. But friend of friend, and she knew, I mean, the evidence is in front of her face and she chose to ignore it and she chose the guy over these people that Fine, have known well, then him that's for like her 10 decision, years. If you tell her that he's sexually inappropriate with people, she probably going to blame you it's going to divide her more from her friends than from him i think because she loves him more than she loves everybody else if she is going to be happy with this knob or at least she's decided that what she wants is unhappiness with this knob then exactly is she really going to be any happier by you swinging around to your way of thinking and then she's by herself you do have to go to the wedding because you know separate your friend from the relationship if she was marrying a guy that you'd never met you would go, even though you had no idea about the relationship, so you yep. couldn't go there being cock a hoop. Yep. And she's your friend, and so you've got to celebrate with her what for her is meant to be, you know, this big, happy, very important day. Exactly. You'd be making her really upset by not turning up or by <laughs> telling her not to get married to him. Obviously, you can be very careful with your wording yeah. of congratulations, and you can hit the bar pretty hard to get through the day. <laughs> in the movies when this happens... Like in Sleepless in Seattle when Meg Ryan's going to marry Bill Pullman and everyone yeah. knows that would be a bad idea. Yeah. What happens? Oh. The character has to figure it out for themselves, don't they? By the fiancé acting in a bad way to them. The thing- it's no good their friend's telling them. Think about it. I've never seen a film where the friend has just said, you know what, you're about to marry a knobhead and the woman's gone, yeah, you're right. You're right. If they have, then it's because the main character is so weak that they're entirely at the tides of these people surrounding them. Well, the thing is, the audience wouldn't sympathise with that character. They'd be like, that's not a good enough reason, just because your friend says someone's a knobhead. Yeah. You need to see it for yourself. And if she's not going to see it, then let them get married and then let them get divorced. You have to let people make their own mistakes, Exactly. Nick. You can't control her. And if you do, then maybe you're just as bad as he is. <laughs> uh, and we have to let you make your own mistakes by sending a question about your personal life to us to be discussed. And you can do that very thing by emailing us, Skyping us, phoning us. All the contact details are, of course, listed on our website... Answer me this podcast.com. And whatever you think about us as individuals, you don't have to spend the rest of your life with us, just half an hour in your ears. That's tolerable, isn't it? That's right. Even if you think any of us are knobs, I mean, you, you, you probably got over that, haven't you, if you're still listening? We did have an amazing iTunes review last week, actually, which basically did say, These guys are all knobs. But I still like the podcast five stars. What it basically said is they're knobs, but that's obviously naturally how they are and they're not affecting it for our pleasure. Uh, <laughs> they're dicks, but at least they're not pretentious. They're authentic. Well, they said you're a bit pretentious, Martin. That's a fair point. <laughs> uh, yes, come back next week, please. Bye. Bye.